Father in heaven, thank you that you have gathered us here to reflect on the salvation that Jesus has won for us on the cross. We thank you for his obedience. And we long to be one with you as he is one with you. So uh, may your word open our hearts to understand the beauty of the gospel. This evening we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been reading this evening a collection of passages from the Gospel of John. And this passage I just read, John 17, has traditionally been called the high priestly prayer. And the Gospel of John, this is kind of Jesus' last prayer before his, you know, his arrest and uh, um, his betrayal and arrest and eventual crucifixion. And it's this great uh, prayer where he prays for his people that we would know God and that we'd be one with God and that the church would be one. And, you know, there's so much to say about this chapter that I just read to you. Um, but I want to focus this evening on the words that Jesus begins his prayer with. If you have your bulletin there, in verse 1 where he says, Father, the hour has come. And as Daniel mentioned this at the beginning, you know, what does that mean? What's the hour? And, of course, the hour is that Jesus is saying the most important, you know, the, the most significant defining moment of his ministry, actually defining moment of his life, the whole reason he's come, actually the defining moment of the Bible as a whole, the defining moment of world history, the hour is now as he's going to go to the cross. And, you know, most of us have certain defining moments we remember in our life. You know, I remember as a kid, my parents telling me they remember the hour, they remember where they were when JFK died. You know, it was this kind of, you know, this moment is a big part of, of our, our history as a nation. Many of you, you know, you remember where you were on 9-11. And there are these defining moments that shape nations, that shape worlds, that shape humanity. And if there was a defining moment in world history, what would you expect it to be? You know, something like D-Day or, you know, the, we won World War II. So, you know, or if there was a day that cancer would cure, was cured, we would think these are the defining, this is the hour, the most important moment in history. Well, Jesus says here that the defining hour for this world was when the creator of all things, our creator, humbled himself and became one of us. He came to share in our weakness and took our debt upon himself on the cross. The maker of the universe died in our place. That event is the defining moment in history, that the disease of humanity was laid upon Jesus. He took it upon himself so that we might be healed. And so why is this hour, why is this so important? What does it do? Well, in the opening sentence of Jesus' prayer here, Uh, He tells us the significance of the cross, and in particular, he tells us that the cross reveals three things to us. I want to talk about those briefly this evening. So first, the cross reveals to us God's character. What is God like? The cross shows us who God is. You see that there, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son 
that the Son may glorify you. Now, this is a pretty amazing statement because, you know, when you think of like, oh, I'm going to behold God's glory, to behold God's glory is to see the radiance of who he is. You know, he's just shining in all of his beauty, the perfection of who God is. You know, it's like it's unbearable to even behold it. And you think, what would it be like to see God, to be in his presence? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it turns out that the way to see God's glory, who he is, is Jesus dirty, bloody, alone, and betrayed on the cross. The cross is the shining display of what God is like, his character. The shining display of his beauty is on the cross. It's not what we expect at all. And, you know, for many of us, uh, one of the deepest questions we have about the world, I mean, I know many of you have asked that question, like, why did God make this world like this? You know, why is he writing a story where it's so painful and there's so much hurt and there's so much evil and there's so much suffering? Why make a world like this? And, you know, of course, that's a mystery. But probably the best answer that we can give for that is that God makes this world because this is the world that displays his glory. And it's only in this world where we see that God would humble himself to go die on a cross he has that kind of love. He's not just generous, but that he would die in our place and humble himself. That's the amazing thing. And it's only in this world that we can see this aspect of God's character that's shown to us in the cross. And so most people, you know, when we think about what is God like, you know, what is his character like? I remember being a kid, often, I didn't go to church growing up, and I often ask that question. I was like, what is God like? How are we supposed to know what God is like? I mean, he's invisible. Does he say anything? Am I just supposed to guess what God is like? And, uh, you know, we come up with all kinds of things of what God is like. God is an energy that ta- we can tap into, and he gives us power. God is like a Santa Claus who gives us the presence that we want in our life. And these are all guesses at what God's like. The moment... The hour when God said to the world, if you want to know what I'm like, I'm telling you. And the hour he showed us who he was, was when Jesus went to the cross in our place. The glory of God, God, uh, that is God displaying his glory to us. And you know, know, there's another thing about glory. I think most of you, when you hear that word glory, it's not only like information, but, you know, glory is about, like, praising. It's about adoration. It's about worship. And that's the other thing about the cross is what happens when you feel, realize that that's what God's like, that he would humble himself and take my place on the cross. It inspires praise. And so the first thing that the cross reveals to us is it reveals to us God's character, what he's like. The second thing, interesting thing about the cross, is that the cross also reveals to us God's kingdom. And you see that there again in verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh. Now, you know, it's an interesting thing. If you imagine, when would someone establish authority over all flesh, like all people? If someone was going to become the king of the world, how would they do it? You'd imagine they'd have, you know, they'd have a huge nation, they'd have a great army, they'd have lots of wealth. And here we find out that God's kingdom, when it was established, and how Jesus is going to get authority over all people, is almost the opposite thing. 
It's this upside-down kind of kingdom. He's going to go and <laughs> by himself to the cross. He's powerless on the cross, not crucifying those people who defy him, but himself being crucified for his enemies. And that's how he conquers his enemies, is by forgiving them. And that's how he expands his kingdom and how he takes over the world. And so the cross... Um, lays the foundation for the nature of God's rule in his kingdom that everything is upside down. And so to live under God's rule means that those um, who lose their lives are the ones who find it. Those who are weak and powerless are actually the strong. Those who submit to God in obedience are the ones who find freedom. And those who die are the ones who live. Those who give are the ones who receive. And this is why, you know, for so many, uh, so many people are surprised, you know, when they become Christians. And they think, you know, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to get my life under control. And all of a sudden, as soon as they become a Christian, the opposite happens. It seems like they start losing control. <laughs> That's not what I thought was going to happen. I thought everything was going to become orderly. And the opposite happens because God is teaching me to let go of my control. I thought I was going to become more self-confident. And what does God do? He doesn't make me more self-confident. He humbles me. Just the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I thought I was going to learn to uh, um, accomplish all my dreams, but God was actually teaching me to love others, not to fulfill my dreams, but the dreams of others. Everything was backwards. And the cross says when you come into God's kingdom, everything is going to be upside down. And yet what happens when you enter into the cross and embrace the cross, and you're like, okay, fine, I'm losing control, I'm being humbled, I'm, I have to let go of all my dreams, what happens? You actually start to learn some self-control. <laughs> and you be, start to be comfortable in your own skin. And actually all those things that you thought God was taking away from you, he gave you through the death. And that you had to go through the cross to find the resurrection and to find new life. And you didn't expect that. The world didn't expect that. This is the way of God's kingdom. And you don't know that unless you behold Jesus on the cross, the king of the world dying in our place. So first, the cross reveals us what God is like. The cross reveals to us what his kingdom is like. It has this upside-down pattern. But the third thing is that the cross also reveals God's people. So God's character, God's kingdom, but also God's people. And you notice this at the end of that verse. Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. I don't know if you caught that in that passage I just read. That's something that comes up a lot, actually, in John. It says that Jesus died for those whom... God had given to him, the Father had given to him. There are uh, certain people that God is working in their life, and their life is going to be transformed by this cross, and they're going to find salvation in this cross. And so one of the things this says is that the cross actually marks out, you know, uh, the world. And there's some people who are people of the cross, and there are people who are not people of the cross. And you can see that in that people have opposite reactions to it. I mean, some of you have had opposite reactions to it. You know, some people hear about the cross, say, Jesus had to die in my place. I'm a sinner. He had to take God's wrath in my place. His blood has to cover my sins. It repels you to hear that message. 
And yet it's so fascinating that other people, they hear that message, you say, Jesus dies for people who are ashamed like me, and they run to it. How are there such opposite responses to the cross? It's because the cross is the thing that reveals who we really are when we look at it. And so that raises a question for you. You know, maybe you're here and you say, you know, I'm actually the person who's repelled by the cross. I, I think it's strange. I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever. I, I don't even like hearing about it. Tonight, maybe that's a question for you. Why are you repelled by it? What is that about yourself? What is that about your understanding of God? Maybe you don't think I need to be reconciled to God. Maybe you don't think I have sin. Good Friday is a call to look at the cross and say, what is it about the cross that I want to run from? But some of you are here and you say, I need the cross. There's no doubt about it. And so the call for us is, uh, is to go to Jesus again, even if you have been a Christian, maybe for a few years, and you think, you know, I should have a more of my sin figured out by now. No, we need to go to the cross and find that we're forgiven only in Jesus. Our righteousness is only in him. Maybe you've been a Christian for decades and you feel like I should have had it figured out by now. We go to the cross fresh this Good Friday to receive Jesus' forgiveness and say, I will always need it. I will always need the good news of the cross. And when you do, you embrace the love of God and the cross, which so many people have, and it's been the transformative thing in their life. The cross becomes not the defining moment only in human history, the hour for human history. It becomes the defining moment for you personally, as an individual, that Jesus didn't just die for the world, but he died for you. Your name was written on his hand. And so it's in, uh, with sober hearts that we gather together uh, this evening uh, to meditate on the great love of God for sinners in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great mysterious purposes. Your mysterious purposes in the world and your mysterious purposes in our individual lives. I pray for those who are here who find the cross to be strange or repellent. And I pray for your spirit to open their hearts to reveal what is it about the cross that um, is keeping me from drawing near to Jesus. And I pray that you would bring a light to each one of us as we all run from your love in various ways. And we pray that you enable us to receive the grace that is on offer for us in the gospel this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.